welcome everyone and welcome everybody online too. So as Vaco said, we're in a series called Deconstructing God and we're examining the characteristics of God and the lives of the men and women of the Bible. And when I got my assignment that it would be uh, David and King Saul, uh, I just thought, wouldn't it be nice to go to the different places here in the land where very important places uh, in the life of King David and King Saul. So I thought, uh, let's go to the Valley of Elah where David slew Goliath. Hey, how are you, Josh? Hey, great to see you. And uh, why not go to En Gedi where he hid from King Saul and then also to the city of David where he ruled and also unfortunately uh, committed some great sins. So we went there and uh, I wanna give a shout out to Isaac Gonzalez. I don't know if you hear Isaac. Uh, there you are to him and uh, Mario and Lori, but Isaac, thank you for a great job on the video and I uh, had a great job and great time working with you. And so we went to the Valley of Elah. We went to En Gedi, very hot down there, very hot in the Valley of Elah. And we went to the city of David. And uh, so we did this uh, video that you're gonna see. But first, I wanna go to another place here in the Bible uh, in Shiloh, or as some people call it Shiloh. And just a little background, this was years ago for a stand-up we were doing on a story on Shiloh, or you call it Shiloh. And uh, when we left Jerusalem, it was overcast. And, but by the time we got to Shiloh, or Shiloh, it was raining. It was really raining. But uh, we persevered and we shot a stand-up. And I wanna show that to you right now. So here's the video on Shiloh, or Shiloh. Will you wait to take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you? <laughs> Let's do one with the umbrella and then one without and we'll go, okay? Okay. Some say the heart of the biblical heartland is here in the place called Shiloh, or as some call it, Shiloh. This is the place where the tabernacle of the Lord stood for 369 years, where the prophet Samuel ministered before the Lord, and where Joshua divided the land between the 12 tribes. It's also the place where he challenged the nation of Israel and asked, how long will you wait before you take possession of the land the Lord has given you? Sorry. I'm still rolling. All right, one more with this. <laughs> Some say the heart of the biblical heartland is a place called Shiloh. <laughs> Chris, let's go. One more. <laughs> Okay, let's do it! Right. So, <laughs> <You're crazy. laughs> let's do it! <laughs> okay, just a minute. <clears throat> Some say the heart of the biblical heartland is a place called... Some say the heart of the biblical heartland is here in Shiloh, or some call it Shiloh. This is the place where the tabernacle of the Lord stood for 369 years, where the prophet Samuel ministered before the Lord, and where Joshua divided the land. <laughs> Let's go, please. All right, one, one this way. I got to do one this way. Okay, okay, I'm rolling, I'm rolling. I can't stop. I'm sorry. How low are you? I completely soaked, Chris. I completely oh, this is the place. Samson. Samson. 
<laughs> some say the heart of the biblical heartland is here in Shiloh, or some call it Shiloh. This is the place where the tabernacle of the Lord stood for 369 years. <laughs> Come on! I gotta do one. All right. <clears throat> some say the heart of the biblical heartland is here in a place called Shiloh, or as some call it Shiloh. This is the place where the tabernacle of the Lord stood for 369 years where the prophet Samuel ministered before the Lord and where Joshua divided the land between... You put your back to the wind. There you go. All right. And brush your hair over. No, 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 no brush, but just... Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do one of these. You ready? Is that better? Some say the heart of the biblical heartland is here in Shiloh, or some call it Shiloh. This is the place where the tabernacle of the Lord stood for 369 years, where the prophet Samuel ministered before the Lord, and where Joshua divided the land between the 12 tribes. It's also where he challenged the nation of Israel and asked, How long will you wait to take possession of the land the Lord your God has given to you? We did it. <laughs> By the way, the voice in the background is Yoel Shoshani. Uh, you, you may, many, many of you may know him. It took us like an hour, almost an hour to dry off and warm up. We had to go in the car and just turn the heater on. But we did it, and we never used it. it uh, <laughs> my daughter said the other day, you know, Dad, if there's nothing else you've done in your career, you've done that. So we've uh, succeeded. <laughs> that was so much fun. Uh, so I, as I said, you know, we went to the places uh, in uh, the life of King David. We went to the Valley of Elah where he slew Goliath. We went to the En Gedi where he hid from King Saul. And we went to the city of David. All places where you can learn about the character, characteristics of God, um, how he stood with King David uh, as a shepherd boy. Uh, we learn about God's love, his might, and his grace, and mercy, and forgiveness. So here's that video. Uh, from myself and Isaac Gonzalez, and I hope you like it, and I'll be, here, I'll be here after the video. Welcome to Shiloh, or as some say, Shiloh. Well, not really, just kidding. Actually, welcome to the Valley of Elah. This is where the epic battle between David and Goliath took place. How do we know that? It says in 1 Samuel 17:1 that now when the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Socho. We're right near that ancient settlement. This is the place where David shines, one of his finest moments. The Bible says the Philistines were on one side of the valley and the Israelites on the other. Both sides are all in. Winner take all. Goliath is the odds-on favorite. Nearly 10 feet tall, his spear the size of a small tree, the head of the spear more than 15 pounds against David, a shepherd boy with a slingshot and five smooth stones. But David has the word of the Lord and the anointing of Holy Spirit. But before we get to the battle, let's go back to the previous chapter in 1 Samuel. It says the Lord had rejected Saul as king of Israel. So the Lord sends the prophet Samuel to the home of Jesse from Bethlehem. 
He tells Samuel that he's provided himself a king among the sons of Jesse. So Samuel goes to Bethlehem and meets Jesse, who has eight sons. The first one, Eliab, passes before Samuel. And the prophet says to himself, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And then the Lord says something to Samuel that resonates with us to this day. The Lord says, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have rejected him. And here's the key part of the verse. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What a lesson for us today. The Lord sees our hearts and nothing is hidden from him. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And in Luke 8.17, Jesus says, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. So we continue. After seven of Jesse's sons come before Samuel, the Lord rejects them all. Then Samuel says to Jesse, are all the young men here? And Jesse says, the youngest is keeping the sheep. Samuel says, go get him. We're not sitting down till he comes. Then David comes and the Lord says to Samuel, arise, anoint, for this is the one. Then Samuel anoints David and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord rests on David. And also from that day, the spirit of the Lord departs from Saul. It even says a distressing spirit from God troubled Saul. And one of his servants says, I know someone from Bethlehem who was skillful in playing the harp, David. So he comes and plays the harp for Saul. Okay, back to the battle in the Valley of Elah. For 40 days, Goliath confronts the armies of Israel and taunts them. He lays down the challenge Choose one man from your army to fight me. If I win, then you will be our servants. If you win, then we will be your servants. He roars, I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man that we might fight together. So Saul and the rest of the army are trembling. And in the meantime, Jesse tells David, go to the Valley of Elah and bring food to your brothers. And when David arrives and hears the taunts of Goliath, he asks, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? His spirit is stirred up and says to Saul, your servant will go and fight this Philistine. At first Saul says, no, but David says, I've killed the lion and the bear when they came against the lamb and I killed them. Then Saul relents and gives David his armor, but it doesn't fit. And David decides to go to face Goliath with just a staff a slingshot, and those five smooth stones. Now the battle is on and the fate of Israel is on the line. You can feel the tension as both armies watch what happens next. Goliath scoffs when he sees David. He says, am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? Then he says, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David proclaims words that echo from 3,000 years ago here in the valley. You come to me with the sword, with the spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Here is where David, the shepherd boy from Bethlehem, begins to triumph. He declares, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle 
is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So then David runs to Goliath, takes out a stone, slings it and hits Goliath in the forehead and he falls on his face to the ground. Then David runs over to Goliath, takes his sword and cuts off his head. You can hear the gasp of the Philistines and you can hear the roar of the Israelites. Wow, here we are 3000 years later and this story still echoes through the centuries. A little shepherd boy with the word of the Lord defeats the giant of his day. And it happened right here. So what do you think are some of the lessons we can learn from God about this story? One that comes to me is just like David said, the battle is the Lord's. We all have battles. We all face Goliaths in our lives. What's your battle and who's your Goliath? We can bring the Lord to our battles and help us face our giants and we can see what God can do. And David came against Goliath with the word of the Lord. That's what Jesus did when he was tempted by the devil. Three times he was tempted and three times Jesus answered, it is written. The word of the Lord is powerful and we can use it against the enemy of our souls, just like Jesus did and David. One of the lesson to learn about the Lord is his name. Proverbs says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And one other lesson we can learn is, we need the anointing of the Lord for our battles. Before David faced Goliath, Samuel anointed him. And before Jesus began his ministry, he was baptized by John and the Spirit of God descended on him. Then Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Those experiences prepared David and Jesus for the trials they faced. In the book of Zechariah, it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we need his courage. Throughout the Bible, God is telling us to fear not. He told Joshua when they were going into the promised land, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In the book of 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So what happened here in the Valley of Elah 3,000 years ago is a living lesson of God's power available for our lives today. Well, let's head on to another one of David's exploits as we follow the life of one of the most influential men of the Bible. Another important moment in the life of David and King Saul took place in Engedi next to the Dead Sea. Let's take a look. Here we are in Engedi, an oasis in the desert. It's a place of waterfalls, streams, reeds, and ibex. The Bible also calls it the rocks of the wild goats. It's a beautiful place with spectacular views. It's also where David came to hide from King Saul. First, a little background. After the battle between David and Goliath, as you can imagine, David's fame skyrockets after he kills the giant. In fact, on the way back from the battle, the women of Israel start singing a song. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Well, David getting all the credit makes Saul furious and jealous. From that day on, he sees David as a threat to his kingdom. In fact, from then on, Saul tries to kill David. And one time he says, I will pin David to the wall. And he throws a spear at him. David escapes, 
the first of many attempts at his life by King Saul. But Saul does appoint David a captain in his army. Because David is wise and the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, David's fame grows even bigger throughout all of Israel. In the meantime, David and Saul's son, Jonathan, they develop a bond that's unbreakable. And Jonathan helps David escape from his father as he continues to try and capture or kill David. And that brings us here to En Gedi. It's where David hid out from Saul during one of Saul's attempts to kill David. In fact, Saul brings 3,000 of his men here. Then there's an encounter between Saul and David that looks like a scene out of a movie. David and his men are hiding in the back of one of the caves. Saul comes into the same cave, and as the Bible says, is, quote, attending to his needs. He's relieving himself, and David's men say to David, this is it, this is your opportunity. The Lord has delivered Saul into your hands. So David sneaks up behind Saul and cuts a corner of Saul's robe. But after he cuts the robe, his heart is troubled. And he says to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do anything to my master, the Lord's anointed, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So Saul leaves the cave and David then calls out to him and says, why do you listen to those who say David seeks your harm? Look, this day, the Lord delivered you into my hands and someone urged me to kill you, but I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So Saul is convicted and says to David, you are more righteous than I. You have rewarded me with good while I rewarded you with evil. And he says, I know you will surely be king and the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. So Saul leaves and David is spared once again. And we know from the word that David is a man after God's own heart. And even when his life is in peril, he turns the to the Lord. David is also the author of many of the Psalms. And he wrote when, when he fled Saul here in En Gedi. And here's what he wrote. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed, passed by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory, awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. You know, God anointed David when he was a boy, and it wasn't until he was 30 years old when he finally became king. David had to walk a very uncertain and sometimes very dangerous journey since the time Samuel anointed him to be king of Israel. David's experience is a lot like Joseph, 
who spent years in prison before his dream of being the one who, would, who his brothers would serve. Both went through fiery trials and tests of their faith. But through it all, they kept the faith and their eyes on the Lord. And David poured his heart out before the Lord in his Psalms. And they encourage our faith and our hearts to this day. Here is some what he wrote. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He also wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. And you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. The Lord did hear David, and his words fill our hearts to this day. In 2 Samuel, David also spoke to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from his enemies and from the hand of Saul. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So I shall be saved from my enemies. Just like David, we can call upon the Lord to be saved from our enemies. And let's pray that right now. Father, we pray that you would watch over us, keep us safe from our enemies, the enemy of our soul. And so, Lord, we just pray for that protection over all of us, just like it was over David, in Jesus' name. Well, David did go on to become king of Israel, but before that, he went through incredible trials and tribulations and victories. Samuel the prophet dies, and so does Saul and his son Jonathan. They die in battle against the Philistines. But we learn from David's experience here at En Gedi and throughout the land of Israel that he was a man who trusted the Lord. And what an example he is as we face our own trials and as the world gets darker in these days. Well, from En Gedi, we're heading up to the city of David, the original Jerusalem, the capital of Israel that David established more than 3,000 years ago. Here we are at the city of David. It's just below the Temple Mount and at the edge of the Kidron and Ben-Hinnom Valleys. This is the city of David and also where the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah thundered the word of the Lord. The tabernacle of the Lord sat here and the kings of Israel, like King Solomon and King Hezekiah, ruled here after David. As we said, a lot has happened since En Gedi. David is now king of Israel. From a shepherd boy over his flock, now he's the shepherd over all the tribes of Israel. But this is also the place where David fell from grace and committed some great sins. 
It says in 2 Samuel 11, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. But David remained in Jerusalem. And that sounds like the first danger sign. David was in the wrong place. Then immediately it says, when David rose at night, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. He finds out who she is. Her name is Bathsheba. And by the way, when you look at the city of David, it's built on a hillside. So David could easily have looked down from his palace and seen Bathsheba. The Bible says, then David sent messages and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. And the woman conceived. Then she told David, I am with child. So David has committed adultery, but he doesn't repent. Instead, he calls for her husband Uriah, the Hittite, who is in the war where it appears David should have been all along. He wants Uriah to sleep with his wife, so it looks like Uriah is the father and not David. But Uriah is an honorable man, and he refuses to sleep with his wife while the Ark of the Covenant and his fellow soldiers are off to war. So when Uriah goes back to the war, David commanded the general of the army the following, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. And that's what happens. Uriah is killed in battle and then David takes Bathsheba as his wife. David has not only committed adultery, he then covered it up with murder. But at the end of the chapter are these ominous words. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. What happens next is that David experiences the fierce wrath of the Lord. The Lord sends Nathan the prophet to David and tells him a story about a rich man and a poor man and how the rich man stole from the poor man all he had. David says the rich man should surely die and repay fourfold for all he stole. And then Nathan says to David, you are the man. You can almost hear Nathan roaring when he confronts David and says, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Judah and Israel. And if that had been too little, I would also have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of Amnon. Then Nathan declares the consequences to David. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did this secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. So David immediately says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan says, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. However, he says, the child that he and Bathsheba conceived will die. Wow, what a confrontation where David's sin is laid before all of Israel and for all of us to see 3,000 years later. And David does have all kinds of adversity in his own household. 
But David cries out to the Lord, and we hear his heart in Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Despite his great sin, David repented and cried out to the Lord from the depths of his soul. The Lord forgave him, but he did also suffer consequences. When it's true for us as well, it says in Psalm 86, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. In Micah, it says, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. In Ephesians, Paul wrote, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Messiah. By grace you have been saved. And Hebrews says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And in 1 John it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We too can come to the Lord to confess our sins and receive his forgiveness, just like David did. So from the valley of Elah to En Gedi, and here at the city of David, David's life reveals to us God's character, how he anoints us, calls us, and equips us to a life of service, to how he can save us from the enemy, and how he can forgive us for our sins and restore us. The key to David's life is that he placed the Lord always before him. His courage, humility, and repentance marked a life of surrender. In Psalm 16, he wrote, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is always at my right hand, I shall not be moved. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. So Father, we just thank you for the life of David, all the way from the valley of Elah when he slew Goliath, to the time in Engedi when you hid him from Saul and you protected him from all the attacks of King Saul and during that time. And here at the city of David where he committed great sins, we thank you, Father, that you exposed them, you convicted him, you forgave him, and you restored him. 
And we ask that, Father, in our lives that you would restore us and Lord, prepare us for the days that we're living in right now so that we too can keep our eyes always fixed on the Lord. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. So we ask, Father, that we would be fulfilling those good works that you have prepared even before the foundation of the world so that one day when we see you face to face and when you return here to the earth, you can see us and say to us, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. So God bless you from the city of David. Well, we have a lot to learn from the life of David and how God dealt with him in so many ways, you know, from the Valley of Elah and such a great victory and such a victory that resonates in our heart today that we can battle our Goliaths and the battle is the Lord's when we find him and see him. And then in Engedi, that he can hide us in the shelter of the Most High and keep us safe from our enemies. And that even when we fall and sin, uh, as we all have and uh, do, that he will forgive us and cleanse us when we come before him. So I know I just prayed, but I, I'd like to pray again. And uh, we're going to have a worship team come up and they're going to sing a last song. Uh, but if anybody would like to come and pray, uh, the prayer team is going to come up here. And uh, I just want to pray that for those online as well that have been watching, uh, you know, for whatever is challenging you. Maybe it's a prodigal son or daughter that you want to come back from the Lord. Maybe it's a financial battle that you're facing that seems like a Goliath, that, uh, that seems insurmountable. It certainly did to see a shepherd boy fight a, almost a 10-foot tall giant. I mean, I can just imagine the Philistines thought, this is a done deal. We got this. We're going to be victorious over the Israelites, and yet God had a plan. And I think God has a plan in your life too, whether it's a financial giant, an emotional giant, a relational giant uh, in your family, uh, that he is able. The battle is the Lord's, and he can hide us and save us and forgive us and cleanse us uh, from whatever we may have done, God knows, but he can cleanse us and restore us, and that's his heart. He wants to restore us and redeem us and help us fulfill the purpose and the destiny that we have uh, for our lives. Uh, Vaco mentioned in the beginning, one of the things I wanted to say, you know, in the introduction is to finish strong. Uh, and I think that's something that Paul gave us an example of our lives to finish strong wherever we are, wherever we are in our lives, whether it's in our teens, 20s, 60s, 70s, 40s, uh, he wants us to continue to keep our eyes fixed on him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So as we keep our eyes on him, uh, we can fulfill the purpose in his plan that he has for our lives until um, he takes us home or he comes here and, uh, and comes to, to, to here on the earth. So Father, I just thank you for the example of King David and uh, what an amazing life he lived, what just such great victories and yet such great falls and tragedies. And yet through it all, he put the Lord before him. And I pray that you would help us to do that, Lord, that we would, you would help us to just keep you before us uh, as, as whatever we face, uh, enemies, challenges, giants, Goliaths, 
Lord, help us keep you before us so that we can fulfill our purpose and plan here on the earth. Each one of us has that plan. You have ordained good works that each of us would walk in um, even before the foundation of the world. So help us to do that, Lord. We bind the enemy. We pray that you would protect us from his wiles. And Lord, in the midst of all the challenges that we face in this life, help us keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. You're the author, you're the finisher of our faith. Uh, in Jesus' name, so we ask that. And Lord, I just pray for anyone right now that may not have a relationship with you, that, that needs to know and, and needs to find you in the very first place. And so uh, I would just say to that person, Jesus has a, has a plan for your life. God gave a, his Jesus, Yeshua, as a savior, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So anyone here, anybody online that needs that, you can just pray a simple prayer that said, Jesus, come into my life and uh, be my savior. Forgive me of my sins and live in my life. And so Lord, we just pray that blessing upon each and every one online here in Jesus' name, that we fulfill your purpose and plan in Jesus' name. Amen.